Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. TCC, a home for you. All right, good morning, Trinity Community Church. How are you feeling this morning? It's good to see everybody. A little sleepy today. Is it the fog? Is it the cool weather? Have you not had your pumpkin spice latte? You can get one out there. No, you can't. (laughs) You can just get coffee. It's good to see everybody. I'm Pastor TJ. It's good to see everybody online. Welcome to everybody. Uh, It's wonderful to have you in God's house. This is an exciting time for our church. Beloved, make no, understand this very clearly. This is when we as a church drop our nets. October is a time usually the church kind of disappears until Christmas. We kind of hunker down, we hide. Is everybody okay back there? (laughs) I heard that a body falls. She's okay. Everything's fine. We as a church, we are light. We stand and we shine. We do not hide from the darkness. When have you ever seen a candle hide from the darkness? So we don't, we don't hide. But we also don't stand in our own strength. How many of you know that you need Jesus in you to defeat the enemy that's in the world? So this is what we need you to do. As Jenna so gracefully and beautifully uh, described... We need to pray. We need to seek God. And this is an all hands on deck you know, for all of us. I had one of our local pastors ask me, he says, why, why do you guys go to all the trouble to do this? This is trouble. You know that? Trouble, 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 trouble. Why, why do we go through all the trouble to do this? Because people matter to God and they matter to us. Amen. God loves them and we love them too. Everybody that's out here, we love them. If this is a way for us to see people come to Christ, I love what what, uh, Craig Rochelle says. They do anything short of sin to see people come to Christ. How how bad do you want it, beloved? How much do you want to see your community flooded with God's love, power, and presence? It's go time. So do me a favor. Like Jenna said, pray. Give extravagantly to this as well. This is not your tithe and offering. This isn't, I'm going to write my $200 for my tithe and give it to this. No. Give extravagantly. Pray. See what God would ask you to do and just do it, baby. We can do this. How many of you believe that? Good. Let's get in the game. Um, Again, to kind of get us in the mood, we have a new theme here in October, crazy faith. Your faith is anything but normal. Do you know that? If you came to Christ for some type of normality, you have been signed up under false pretense. You have. There's nothing about your faith that's normal. There just isn't. I remember a few years ago, we were serving in Illinois. We were at a great church in Illinois. Over 10 years, we saw a church go from 350 people to over 2,000 people. Built a new building. Our building won building of the year. We were blowing and going, three services. It was unbelievable. And then in the midst of the unbelievable, God kind of whispered something to my ear saying, son, get ready, I have something new for you. How many of you have ever had God whisper something to you and you're like, that ain't Jesus? You know? Son, I need you to give that $20. That ain't Jesus. Son, I need you to go work in the nursery. That definitely ain't Jesus. I don't have a tetanus shot, Lord, right? He started to whisper into my heart, son, there's something else I have for you. And I'm going to be honest with you, for about 9 to 12 months, I did my best to sidestep it, to ignore it. Have you ever sidestepped God's will for your life? You know that even pastors do that? We do. You know why? Because we're all human. We're all in the same boat. So after that year, we finally yielded to God, and I was like, Lord, I know you've got some place for us to go. I just don't know where. And I remember one day I got a call from this little church in, uh, in Colorado, Inglewood, Colorado, a church of 12 people, 2,000 and a salary 
12 people and be warm and well fed. And I remember we just couldn't shake this, the notion that we were supposed to be there. I didn't know what to do. I was so perplexed. I even sat with my superintendent in Illinois. And I said, man, I said, I, I, I don't know what to do. I'm feeling these things in my heart. And sitting with him, he's a great guy. He said, TJ, you stay in our district. We've got churches that are, you know, three, 400 people. Just jump right in there. You can grow churches. I said, but I, I'm feeling this draw to this little church in Inglewood, Colorado. And he looked at me, he says, TJ, he says, um, God can do anything, but I'm just telling you right now, if you go from there to here, we'll never hear from you again. It's professional suicide. This is just crazy. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, I'm young, strong. I remember telling them, my superintendent, I said, well, thank goodness what I have is a call, not a profession. And I thought, man, that's great. And then I went to Inglewood, Colorado, to that church of 12 people. Our average age was like 71. I had three, I had three in the church that were 89 and above. They brought that average up to 71. And I remember starting out there, on many of an occasion, the words of that guy went through my head. This is just crazy. This is just, and I would sit there in my office alone, church of 2000, church of 12, and I'd say, Lord, did I hear from you right? This is just nuts. Now, again, God breathed on it. He blessed it. Church grew. So tons of people come to Christ. Um, but it didn't start out that way. Have you ever had God ask you to do something that was just a little crazy? Maybe God asked something of you that you know, not everybody fully understood. Maybe it was something with your career. Maybe it was somebody with a person. I don't know. Do you know that for us as believers, God is always asking us to take steps of faith Steps of faith are just part of the rhythm of being a believer. A fully devoted follower of Christ is just part of the road. So this entire month, we're going to look at these, what these steps of faith look like to us and how sometimes those steps of faith that God is requiring us to step into to others, well, may look crazy. I mean, we're loaded with things that are just crazy. You know that you're crazy? Amen. You're loaded with it, some more than others. I'm going to be honest with you. You're loaded with it. I mean, think of the things that we do as believers that just don't make sense to the world. Things that just, that just doesn't make sense. You know, we give of our money. How many of you know that money's hard to come by? Who would, in their right mind, give money freely away? Only crazy people. Right? Who would get up early on a Sunday morning to do this? Now, granted, we do have coffee, yummy and delicious cakes, and now mints. Did you see the mints? You can't have coffee without having mints because how many of you know coffee breath is well coffee breath, right? You come here early on a Sunday, you give up your time, well, only crazy people would do that. Exactly, we're crazy. We're getting ready to do this family fest, expecting 5,000 people. Who would do such a crazy thing? Us, because we're crazy. God asks all of us to take steps of faith. He does. So today we experience, we start at the very beginning, we talk about what's it like when God parts the sea in front of us, all of these weird situations. You know that the God that we serve isn't just here to heal your past, but he's also here to prepare the way to your future. You have a future and a hope, beloved, and the God that we serve is strong enough to not just deal with the ghosts of your past, but to give you the power and the strength you should need to secure your future. Flip real quick to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Again, if you are, have our app, if you go to our app, you get all of my notes. If you are on the version of the Bible, look for live events, see Trinity Community Church, you get all my notes. If you're on Facebook, check in. 
This is not our text this morning, but this is a launch pad, and this should be at the forefront of every believer's heart and mind. Put this in your Bible somewhere. Stick it on your vanity in your bathroom. Put it somewhere. This is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you, and he'll lead you in every decision you make. Become intimate with him wherever you do, and he'll lead you wherever you go. I love that last song that we sang. Intimacy with God has a direct impact on where God is taking you. If you can hear his voice, then you'll know where to step and you'll know where to go and you won't miss it, beloved. You won't. So again, if God is leading you, the path before you is right, regardless of how it looks to you or to others. Sometimes the road ahead doesn't make sense to everybody, beloved. All of us have obstacles in our path. Jesus promises us. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. Dun, da, da, da. But take heart. He says, I've overcome the world. All of us have things in our path that we've got to overcome. Now, sometimes God gives you the strength that you need to endure your problem. Do you know that? Have you ever had God give you the strength that you need to endure your situation? He gives you perseverance to break through. Sometimes he gives you the strength that you need to walk through those valleys. Sometimes, though, God will remove the obstacles in front of you. Sometimes God will take that obstacle and break that thing right down the middle, push it side to side and say, come on, let's go. Don't you love it when God does that? It's how God chose us to, or chooses to, to, to send his power to us. When God does that, it's just crazy, but it's wonderful. So we're going to start there today. Now, you can't talk about God parting things and bringing you through without talking about a great story in the Old Testament when God parted the Red Sea for the Israelites. What a crazy and amazing story. Let me give you some background before we get into the text. <clears throat> now, most of you know the story. Israel is there in the land of Egypt, and they've been enslaved to the Egyptians. There are people without a home. They're leaderless. They don't know what to do. They're broken, and they're desperate. Have you ever been broken and desperate? Have you ever thrown your prayers to heaven and say, Lord, I, I hope somebody up there can hear me? Have you ever found yourself in that place? This is where Israel was at. And in their desperation, they cried out to God to help them, to deliver them. And not only did God hear them and say, don't worry, you'll get through it. But he gave the children of Israel a practical answer. He sent them a deliverer, Moses. So Moses, this guy, was in the courts of the Pharaoh had a few bumps in the roads of his life, and he's out in the desert messing, just hanging out with sheep. Has anybody here had any bumps in the road of their life? You just want to go hide? Well, guess what? Moses successfully did that for 40 years until God found him. And then Moses has this encounter with this bush, this bush that's burning, but it's not burning. You know what we call that? Crazy. It's absolutely crazy. It's nuts. So Moses, from this bush, answers God's call, and along with Aaron, they rise to fulfill what God's asking of them. And they go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the most powerful nation of the world, and they, they go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the most powerful man in the entire world, Pharaoh, the Pharaoh of Egypt. And he goes there with one simple message, let my people go. That's it. Moses has no other details other than, this is God's heart, let my people go, let's go. So after they have some powerful encounters and some plagues, Pharaoh reluctantly lets the children of Israel go. And as Israel's heading out to a new destination, everybody's happy, everything's going great. And then all of a sudden, the Pharaoh changes his mind and decides, you know what? I'd rather have this nation wiped off the face of this earth 
that embarrass us and do this stuff to us. So they, so they start to pursue Israel to destroy Israel. It was at this place, in this moment, that God does something just bananas that we're still talking about, about 3,200 years later. If you got your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 14. We're going to do something a little different today. I'm going to teach right through the passage. And I can promise you this. There are nuggets in this passage that will help some of you where you're at right now to break through from where you are and to get you to where you need to be. But beloved, all of those things take a step. It's time to step. It's time to step. Exodus 14.10 says, As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and they panicked. When they saw the Egyptians overtaking them, they cried out to the Lord. And they said to Moses, Why did you bring us out here to die in this wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave the, 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 as a leader? Doesn't this drive you nuts? Why, 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 why? At this point, I'd say, God, just kill them all. You know, give me peace, right? Verse 12, didn't we tell you this would happen while we're still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves of the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a, course, than a corpse in the wilderness. All of us have been in this place, haven't we? Haven't all of us at some point taken a step of faith that looked great initially, and halfway through your initial step, something in the middle, you start to look at things, and things don't unfold the way you expect them to, and then you start to rethink your choices. Have you ever been there? You start to go, oh, was that God that spoke to me, or perhaps that was the pizza we had last night, right? All of us have been there. I think I've told you guys a story. I um, Back when I was a little bit younger in Illinois, from our home group, we, we formed this adventure group. We had these guys in their mid-20s to mid-30s, and we were probably trying to relive some of our glory days, so we decided to, to do that by doing remarkable things. We've been all over the United States doing crazy stuff. One of our, our first trips was to the Boundary Waters out of uh, Ely, uh, Minnesota. And we decided we were going to go spend about five days in the Boundary Waters. The Boundary Waters are very remote. You have to portage all these, these, these lakes to get to these remote places. Uh, and then we'd go out there and spend time with the eagles, the bears. Not, no, we're not talking about football teams. We're talking about the real ones. We're not talking about the football teams that stink, and you can put the Steelers in there too. We're talking about good ones, you know, good, good animals. So we head out, and I still remember our first trip to Ely, Minnesota. We rent these 16-foot buffalo canoes. They all hold about, I don't know, probably 800 pounds each. So we have three people to a canoe and all the gear that we have, which means that we're, we're getting pretty close to the, to the weight limit. At least our canoe was because, not because I'm chunky, but because a Greek never wants to starve to death. So if we need food for five days, I pack food for three months. You know, I may die of other causes. It will not be starvation. I can promise you that. If I got to eat tree bark, we're going to figure this thing out, right? So we head out onto the lake, the first lake that we're heading through. Not, it's the Gateway Lake. It's called Lake disappointment. That should just frame the whole trip. Lake disappointment. That's what it's called. It's amazing. It's one of the gateway lakes to the Boundary Waters. We have our canoes. We're loaded down. I still remember the day. It's rainy. It's windy. The water is choppy, but we head out on our canoes. There's about eight of us all together, or excuse me, nine of us all together. So we got three canoes and we're just heading out there. We're just getting it done. And it's great. So in my canoe, I've got two guys. I have Eduardo sitting right in, in the middle. I'm in the back. Eduardo's sitting in the middle. Eduardo's about that tall, fantastic hair. Got great hair, can't swim, brought no food because he was going to live off the land. All the fish he could catch, that's all he'd eat. Also, Eduardo was a terrible fisherman. So it was, just a, it was a perfect storm for Eduardo. 
Thank God I brought extra food. And then in the front is my friend Rolando Banda. Rolando is an intellectual thinker. Uh, he's a, a man of the woods. He knows what mushrooms to eat, what, what berries to eat in the woods. He's a good guy. So as we're going out there, usually Rolando's very excited. As we're getting out there, I notice Rolando's quite somber and he looks a little distressed. So I, I asked him, I said, Rolando, what are you doing? What's wrong? Are you okay? He goes, well, he said, um, I'm calculating some things about our trip. Now, in the wild, you want to hear words like calculating. That usually means something's bad, right? We don't calculate our enjoyment. I'm going to calculate my fun. We don't do that. So I said, what are you calculating, Rolando? He goes, well, he said, based on the current conditions. I said, what do you mean the current conditions? He goes, well, we're on Lake Disappointment. He said, Lake Disappointment is 43 miles of shoreline. The deepest part of Lake Disappointment is 150 feet. In May, which is when we went out there, the average water temperature is 45 degrees, which means that if we fall into the water at 45 degrees, we have 15 minutes before we say hello to Jesus. I said, um, okay, Rolando, what does all this mean? He says, I think it means that it was a bad idea to cross the center of Lake Disappointment today in all these buffalo canoes. He says, if we fall into the water, we capsize, uh, we'll never be able to make it to the shore. And as he said these things, I still remember the water lapping up over the buffalo canoe. And I, remember, I still remember Eduardo like protecting his hair. I still remember, it, was, it was a scary situation. So here we have a moment, a moment of decision. As we sit in the middle of Lake Disappointment, what do you do? Now, how many of you know in life, all of us have to make decisions? At some point, you've got to decide if you're going to go this way or this way. For example, we all know what happens to squirrels that can't make decisions when they're crossing the road, right? Have you ever encountered a squirrel that couldn't make a decision? What do we call them? Right? They're done. You don't want to be a squirrel that can't make a decision. So we had our, our boats were close enough, and we made a decision that we needed to get to the other side. So again, we, we, we Hawaii 5 note it, da, 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 and we're just doing as fast as we can to get to the other side. Rolando and I paddled our little hearts out, and Eduardo bailed because at that point we were taken on water. He had his little cup, the only cup that he brought to drink stuff. It's going to be lake water too, buddy. Sorry, we got to live. And I remember just paddling for all that we could, and again, I don't know if you know this, there's something about possibly dying that is a tremendous motivator. It is, to get to the other side. We got to the other side. It was beautiful. Um, and I got to tell you this. The whole time we were paddling, you know, the thought occurred to me that, hey, this may not work out exactly the way that, that, you know, that, that I thought it would. Some of these things are great ideas when you're sitting around a table at a home group. And I thought to myself on more than one occasion, you know what? We could have probably just put some tents on the other side. We would have been fine. Or even better than that, we could have just stayed in the Hilton that we passed on the way to this place to go take the canoes out. And I thought of all the other things that we could have done rather than sit in that dumb canoe and almost die. Here's the reality, though. If you never step into the waters, if we never got into those canoes, we would have never experienced the life-giving experiences that we had with all these guys. These are still men that are in my life today because we had adventures time together where we'd share our hearts and our stories around fires. It was just a beautiful, beautiful time. Beloved, it's like your faith. If you never step into the waters, you'll never know what God has for you beyond your own abilities, beyond the comfort of your own shore. Some of you have just been hanging around the shore for way too long. You're not made for the shore. You're made for the deep waters. 
Sometimes, beloved, we buy into this lie. It's God's heart just to keep me safe and secure. God loves you. And his heart is that you are perfectly in the center of his will. Sometimes that means that you're safe in his arms. Sometimes that means that you're in his will out on the front lines doing what he asked you to do. Do you know that people still die for their faith today? They do. Beloved, you'll never reach your destiny if you stay on the shores. I think this is what Israel was doing. Sometimes we stay in terrible situations because they're familiar. Even when those things are killing us because we're afraid to step into the unknown. Some of you are still connected to unhealthy things right now because that's more familiar than stepping out into the things that are unknown. You're in relationships that are just terrible for you. You're in places of life that are just terrible for you. And you stay in those things because you're afraid to take a step. Don't, don't hang on to the familiar and give up the destiny that God has in your life. And if you're in that place... My prayer for you today is this, that God would give you all the faith and the strength that you need to take that step. Don't forget, when God calls us, he always requires us to take a step. Always. This is Hebrews eleven six. He says this, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. There's a step of faith there. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek, uh, earnestly seek him. God requires a step of faith. He does. So don't let fear or the comfort of what you know keep you from taking that step with God. Let's look at verse 13. This is great. So the people are freaking out, and Moses is being very pastoral in this moment. He says this, Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again, and the Lord himself will fight for you. Just say calm. Now, how many of you know those are great words? And in retrospect, a lot of that happened. But there's a part of this that's funny to me. How many of you know that God is with you in everything that you face? He is. How many of you know that depending on the situation that you face, God may require you to do something different now than he asked you to do back in the day? The God that we serve, he doesn't change, but his methods of, of, of what he does in our life are always changing. That's why God didn't do these things with formulas. What did he do? He said, you listen to his voice. What did Jesus say? He goes, I just do what God tells me to do. Have you ever noticed that Jesus never healed people the same way? You ever wonder why? If Jesus healed everybody the same way all the time, you know what we would do as humans? We'd make it a formula. And the formula would rise above the relationship. God wants us to have a relationship with him. So here we have a perfect example of all this stuff. Sometimes God requires us to do something different. Sometimes as believers, we like to apply old strategies, old marching orders to what God's asking us to do now to solve new problems. This is why it's important for us to hear God's voice every day. So Moses is settling the people's hearts and he says, be still, wait, be still, hunker down, just wait. And look at God's response. Look at verse 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Is that a little different than just be still? You know, the people are probably like, Moses, are you really hearing right? What's going on here? He says, get up, get moving, pick up your staff, raise your hand over the sea, divide the waters so that the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. What was he saying? Yes, Moses, I am taking care of you, but now I'm requiring you to do something. This is not a kumbaya moment. We love kumbaya moments, don't we? 
Do you know that your faith is not a continual kumbaya moment? Sometimes he puts a staff in your hand. He says, stand up, get up, get moving, let's go. There's another little piece that's is interesting to me. You know, here they are, Israel's crying out again, and Lord, help me, help me, help me. God had already clearly spoke to Israel. So what did he say? Why are you crying out to me again? Do what I asked you to do. Do me a favor. Everybody say, Pastor TJ. We love you. Because Jesus said we had to. Some of you have been chasing your tails. Do what God's asked you to do. Some of you are asking for new revelation when you're not even using the old revelation he gave you. Take the thing that he put in your heart, stand up, and do what he's asking you to do. And then you'll change the world. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy, right? That's how this works. Do what he asks you to do. So what does God do here when he says, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff. What's he doing? He's giving a fresh strategy to the new situation, the new problem. I love Moses' response. When God does this, what does Moses do? He does what God asks him to do. Is there any arguing? Is there any questioning? Oh, Lord, help me to be like Moses in this moment and not argue and question. Let me just do what you ask me to do. Does anybody here but me struggle sometimes to do what God asks them to do? Lord, give me that heart, right? So how is Moses able to do this? How is he able to make this course correction? Well, his ears are open to the voice of God for his life and for his people. Moses, as he's leading, as he's walking, is listening for God's instructions. This is why it's important, beloved, when you pray, we listen more than we speak. Listen. Do you take time today, every day, to listen to the voice of God in your life? Do you take time to be still, stop talking, stop thinking, and allow the Holy Spirit to just fill you and direct you? This is a huge component of our faith. Listen. Listen more, talk less. Everybody say that. Listen more, talk less. Listen more, talk less. This works great with God, and it works really good with people. Sometimes we don't realize that we think that we got to inject this. You know the greatest voice that you have in your life is your life. And when it's time to give your opinion and your stuff... If you believe in kingdom opportunities, God will part those seas and people will invite you. What do you think about that? There you go. Listen more, talk less. So Moses is listening for God's instructions. Be open to what God is speaking to you. Know how important it is to hear God's voice. Isaiah 30, 21 says this. When you turn to the right or turn to the left, you'll hear my voice behind you guiding you, saying this is the right path, Follow it. If you hear God's voice clearly, beloved, you're not going to miss it. Why? Because you'll hear his voice behind you to guide you saying, this is the right path, follow it. Listen. So Moses hears God's voice. He doesn't argue, he simply does what God asks. How much better would my life be if I just did what God asked me to do, right? Look at verse 17. God continues and he says, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians. And they'll charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots and his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all of Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. So God, again, has a plan that's a little bit bigger than, than us, that he would be displayed. And I think it's nuts. It's over 3,000 years since this happened. 
and we're still talking about it. Why? Because God's glory was displayed. So God will fight for you. He fights for us. Sometimes in the midst of that fight, he requires something of us. He asks something of us. God always, always loves to put a staff in our hands. What's the staff in your hand? What was Moses? What was, where did God find Moses when he encountered the burning bush? What was he doing? He was messing with sheep. He was a shepherd. What's the tool of a shepherd? Right? Got the shepherd's staff. Got the crook and the staff. That's the tool of the shepherd. What is God saying? When God asked Moses to lift up his staff, he was asking him to lift up and to use the gifts that he put within him to help to deliver the people of Israel. All of you have a staff. All of us have things that God has given to us, things that he has equipped us with, our giftings. All of those things that God says in the midst of your situation, it's time to raise your staff. Sometimes we think it's so funny to me. God gives you these things, and because we've got bad connections with some of the stuff from the past, we think, well, God can never use that stuff anymore. He created you to do those things. So use your staff. How many of you are great with hospitality? You love to have barbecues. You love to have parties. You love to do that. How many of you can, you know, you have your little stuff, and you come in, and it's important to you, the environment that you set. You know what that is? That's your staff. So use hospitality to expand the kingdom and let me know when we should come over for dinner. Right? Use hospitality to do that. You know, how many of you love to keep things in order? You love to cross your T's and dot your I's. How many of you love a good spreadsheet? Ooh, did you feel that? Use the staff in your hands to promote the kingdom. Come to the church offices, say, say, Robin, say, Pastor Trish, this is my gift. Do you need anybody that can administer? Pastor Trish, do you need anybody that has administrative skills in your life? Yes, <laughs> yes I do. Yes. Raise your staff. What gifts did God put within you? God wouldn't give you those gifts for, for no reason. I think we're entering a season now as a church. It's exciting. One of the things I think God is beginning to do for us, he's starting to awaken all those gifts that he planted deep inside of us. The arts in this house are painters. In this house are singers, musicians, dancers, poets, actors. In this house, you may have done it 50 years ago, 30 years ago, 20 years ago. God is bringing those things back to life. Why? Because the kingdom needs your staff to see people delivered. People can shut me down. I know it's tough. I'm a chunky, funny Greek guy. They can shut me down, but you know what? A piece of art sometimes hits people right in the heart. Take your staff and allow God to promote the kingdom through your staff, your gift. That's what happens here with Moses. He doesn't ask him to grab something different. Use what you have. So Moses is listening for course corrections. He listens to God. He raises his staff. Verse 19. And this is interesting. Then the angel of God, who had been leading the people of Israel, moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. Verse 20. The cloud settled between the Egyptian and the Israelite camps, and darkness fell, and the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. But the Egyptians and the Israelites did not approach each other at all at night. Now, this is interesting. How many of you have ever heard this story before? You know, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. How many of you in hearing this story didn't realize that the pillar wasn't all by himself? 
There was an angel and there was a pillar. Did you see the text? Look at it. I'm not making this stuff up. So why did God decide to put two? I mean, what, what's the purpose of having these two entities there? Well, we don't know for sure. Someday when I get to heaven, I'm going to say, God, you know, obviously the pillar had been enough. Why, why a pillar? Why an angel? I don't understand. You know, perhaps maybe the angel was there to lead and to clear the path before them. Maybe, right? You see the functions of angels. The angels are messengers. Maybe God said, this angel, you're there to clear the path. You're there to be the scout. You know, maybe that's how it was. You know, because God does function that way for us. Isaiah 45, 2 says this, I will march out in front of you and level every obstacle. I'll shatter to pieces the bronze doors and slice through the iron bars. Maybe that angel was the, was the path clearer, taking care of everything in front of them. That's what God does for us, right? Now, what about the pillar of cloud and fire? Well, again, this, these are our desert people. Why, why just not have fire and fire? Yeah, I think it's dumb, just dumb stuff like that. Because fire's cool, right? Every movie, you know, there goes the cloud. Womp, womp, womp. There's nothing there. But fire. I have made fire, right? Well, they lived in the desert. Maybe the pillar of cloud wasn't just to give them direction. Maybe it was also there to shade them in the heat of the desert. There's something beautiful about living in the shadow of God Almighty. Psalm 91.1 says this. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of Almighty. My prayer every day is, Lord, let me be so close to you that I constantly stay in your shadow. In his shadow is protection. In his shadow is refreshment. In his shadow is life. Now, sometimes if you're like me, I like to run out in front of God because sometimes I know better. Right? God, let me help you with this. I mean, Jupiter's really nice and all. Let me, let me help you with this. Have you ever helped God with things? And you run out under the shadow, and what usually happens? You get parched, you get tired, you get weak. I don't know what to do, and we just run back to the shadow. Perhaps the, the cloud was a shadow for them where all of Israel in the heat of the day could travel. And perhaps the fire, the pillar of fire, would light their way in the night so they could travel when they couldn't see, because we all know this, God is also our light. Psalm 27.1 says this, The eternal is my light amidst my darkness. Whose darkness? My darkness. All of us struggle with the darkness. All of us without the light of God are immersed in darkness. He is our light amidst my darkness and my rescue in times of trouble. So whom shall I fear? He surrounds me with a fortress of protection and nothing should cause me alarm. So you have this pillar of cloud and fire that goes behind them. You have the angel. God says, hey, uh, Gabe, I don't know who it was. Gabe, Mike, I need you to get to the back because I'm about to do something crazy up here. And he does. So they move to the back. Why did they move to the back? Well, we know one of the reasons is to protect them, to get between them and the enemy. The battle is the Lord's, right, beloved? The enemy goes and he protects them. He does. Maybe the pillar, and you'll see a little bit later down through here, maybe the pillar of cloud and the angel was also back there to keep them from uh, going backwards. Sometimes you need a brother and a sister to put their hand on their back and say, we're not going there, we're going that way, right? And understand this, beloved. If God ever asks you to take a step, you don't have to worry about your rear guard. God protects from where you've come because he's focused on getting you to where you need to go. Why? Because the enemy loves to attack you from your past. Has anybody here ever been attacked by the enemy through their past? 
The enemy always loves to take your past and bring it into your future. If you allow the enemy to take your past and bring it into your future, you will never get to where God wants you to go. You'll be stuck. You'll be just stuck. Your past through Christ has been redeemed. God will never ask you to move forward without taking care of your rear. Psalm 139.5 says this, You have surrounded me on every side. Behind me and before me, you have placed your hand gently on my shoulder. God's got your past taken care of. So do me a favor. You're a new creation in Christ. Believe God at his word. Let your past stay in the past. And the immortal words are frozen. Let it go. Let it go. Trust me, this week, next week we're going to talk about Moana. I'm just kidding, we're not talking about Moana. <laughs> just let it go. So God places himself between the enemy and his people. This is what God does for us when we obey him and we move into what he wants us to do. We simply obey and he does the rest. Look at verse 21. So remember, get the picture. God is standing between Egypt and the Israelites. There's an angel back there. There's a pillar of cloud and fire back there protecting their rear. In front of Israel is an obstacle, the Red Sea. And you have between Israel and the Red Sea, Moses. Someone is standing in the gap for them. Verse 21. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up the path through the waters with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night. Did you see that? Sometimes in the pictures, it's like, oh, it's up there. Let's go. How long did the wind blow? All that night. Blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. All night, God prepared to land. Sometimes, and again, when I was a kid, you know, in the Greek Orthodox Church, you see the, the, the flannel graph. How many remember the flannel graph? You got the waves and the flannel graph. You think God goes like this, and instantly everyone's like, everything's dry, like concrete, and they're just walking, and you go, Father Abraham, and you just walk through? That's not how it happened. How long did the wind blow to prepare the ground before God said to Israel, now? How long was the preparation process? We don't know. But we do know this, Israel's salvation was an instant. The wind blew, how long did the wind blow? All night. Sometimes, again, your salvation, your path is not instant. Sometimes God is preparing the land so that you can walk through the dry land. How many of you hate, hate, hate when you can't do something now? You know, you want Mick Jesus, Mick Destiny, right? Mick Purpose. What drives us nuts more than anything of God saying, not now, wait, wait, wait. I mean, how many of you are the, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? You think God's going, no, 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 don't make me pull this thing over. <laughs> how many of you have been whining about your purpose for years? Moses. Do you know how old Moses was when he did this? Anybody got any clue? Take a guess. 80 years old. Or if you're older, like I'm getting older now, 80 years young. 80 years. 80 years to prepare him for this purpose. Do you think sitting on the mountain every once in a while Moses was like, I guess I missed it. 80 years. Now what was God doing in the 80 years? 
Was he preparing Moses? Absolutely. Was he preparing the Israelites? Absolutely. Sometimes, beloved, don't, don't despise God's timing. Allow the winds to blow to dry out the path in front of you. Perhaps God is aligning things. Perhaps God is shifting things. Don't lose hope in the process of preparation. Sometimes God has to prepare the land under your feet. Sometimes he has to prepare your heart. Either way, that process is very rarely instant. Little by little, God builds us, brings us along. I remember, and here's an interesting thing too. In the preparation process, very rarely does it make sense and very rarely is it comfortable. It's in that discomfort that God does stuff. I remember uh, we had an opportunity to serve the church um, early on, young. And God saw the gifts that I had in me, but he also saw the, the, the gaps. Anybody hear of gaps in their gifts? He knew what I would need in order to do what he's called me to do down the road. So God put me with a man to help to mine and to build in me things that I was lacking. And I'll tell you what, I was, I was with this, this guy for about four years, and those were the four longest years of my life. I remember coming in every day thinking, Lord, why am I here? And I prayed, God, you have to deliver me from this. He made me do things I didn't want to do. He made me, be, he made me become administrative. I wasn't that great in administration. I was okay. I had a lot of gifting. This is, no, no. He says, God put, God put an unction in his heart. He, put, he, he was laser beam focused on me. He said, TJ, I will build this stuff in you, whether it kills me or you. And it almost killed us both. It did. And I remember coming in crying, saying, Lord, I don't think this guy likes me. I don't understand it. Why would you put me here? And all these things for four years. It was awful. It wasn't until after I left and God started to open up other things in ministry for me down the road that I realized in those four years, he built within me things that I need that helped me to operate even today. So now, those four years that I used to hate, I'm grateful for those four years because they added things to me that helped me to carry what God's asked me to do now. I use principles he taught me here at Trinity Community Church now. Because this is a very complex building. It's a complex house. God was preparing me for what was down the road. So what's God preparing you for? Maybe you're in a situation right now you don't want to be in. Maybe it's not because God has forgotten you. Maybe it's not because you did something wrong. Maybe God has you in that place because he's building something within you. He's preparing the ground of your heart for what he's calling you to do. Well, who knows? God. So here's, this is crazy. Talk to him. Ask him. Say, Lord, what are you doing in me through this? Again, God is always working out things for our good to prepare us for what he's asking us to do. Don't rush the preparations. Allow God to prepare you. Look at verse 23. We're almost done. It says, then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and, and charioteers, chased them into the middle of the sea. But just before dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud and threw their forces into total confusion. He twisted their chariot wheels, making their chariots difficult to drive. Uh, let's get out of here, away from these Israelites. The Egyptians shouted, the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. 
So what did the Israelites have to do to mess with the Egyptians with their enemies? Nothing. The battle is the Lord's, right? They didn't do anything. They didn't declare things over their enemies. They didn't throw curses on their enemies. The battle is the Lord's. It's not your job to mess with your enemies. Now, I know nobody in here is an enemy, right? We're all going, kumbaya, my Lord, kumbaya. You know, Bill's a jerk, my Lord, but it's still kumbaya, right? When people treat you poorly, when we have bad connections, even though, oh, this is a tough one. You ready for this? Even though you may be right, that still does not give you the right to treat somebody different than what God would treat them. I've told my kids this since the day they took their first breath, and they, I'm sure at times they hate my guts for saying this. For years I've told them how people treat you has no bearing on how you treat them. We show people love regardless of what they show to us. We do. What does the Bible tell us to do with our enemies? To do what? To love them, to bless your enemies. To love them, right? What's our responsibility when you're in those situations? To deal with those things, to take those things by the hand, to, to push it? Our responsibility is to walk on, to pass through, and to listen to the voice of God. That's it. And when you have opportunities with enemies, to love them extravagantly. Verse 26. When all the Israelites had reached the other side, the Lord said to Moses, raise your hand over the sea again. Then the waters will rush back and cover up the, Egypt, uh, the Egyptians and their chariots and their charioteers. Verse 27. So as the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea and the waters ba uh, rushed back into its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept uh, them into the sea. Then the waters returned and covered the chariots and the charioteers and the entire army of Pharaoh, all the Egyptians who had ever chased the Israelites into the sea, not a single one survived. So God parted the Red Sea before the Israelites. Then after everything was done, he closed up the Red Sea behind them. Why? Well, to protect them from their enemies because the battle is the Lord's. And also, I think, to block their path. There was nowhere else for them to go. You know that sometimes God hems you in and there's no place to go but that way. You know why God does that sometimes to us? Because that's the only way we'll move. That's the only way we'll go. Have you ever experienced a situation like that? You're like, I don't have any other choice. Sometimes not having a choice is a good choice. It's not always bad. Do you believe that God is good? Do you believe that he has the best for your life? If God brings you to a place where there's no choice, do you believe that whatever that thing you have to step into can be for your good? Then just trust him and step into those things. I think it's interesting when you read the story of Israel, how many times along their journey they experience these amazing things and how many times at the littlest thing they're like, oh, we should just go back to Egypt. We had food there. They weren't that bad. I mean, the bricks were okay. How many times did they, did they whine and did they do that? How many times did the enemy whisper, you should have just stayed. You should just go back. Beloved, once you taste God and you see who he is, you can't go back and, and be satisfied. You just can't. The Red Sea was the first obstacle between Israel and her destiny. All of us have red seas, obstacles that keep us from where we are now 
where we used to be and where God wants us to be. So here's the million dollar question today. What are you doing with your Red Sea? What are you doing with your Red Sea? Has your faith grown stale and cold? What are you doing with your Red Sea? What are you doing with the, the call that God has placed on your life? Some of you have gotten to, that, that, to the banks and you've even stuck your toe into the water of the Red Sea, but you back up all the time. And your life is, is dull. Your faith is boring. Sometimes you even wonder if it's real. Where did the passion go? Where did God's heart go? It's time to cross your Red Sea. It's time to allow God to part those, those waters. And beloved, it's time to take a step. Are you ready to take a step? Bow your heads with me. Now, I know that this, we kind of wove a thread today through that story. So I touched on a lot of things today. I talked about leaving your past. I talked about taking a step forward. I talked about how we treat others. We talked about what do you do with the staff in your hand? As I was talking about that stuff today, did the Holy Spirit illuminate any of that stuff? Maybe one or two things kind of jumped out at you. What are you going to do with the thing that God illuminated in you today? Some of you have been standing on the shore too long. You're not made for the shore. You're not even made for the harbor. God created you for deep waters. Don't get stuck in trying to figure out how you're going to pull it off. You can't pull it off. You're not enough. But your life in the hand of God is more than enough. So I want you to take a second just to listen to the Holy Spirit. Again, the Holy Spirit speaks to you just like he speaks to me. Listen to what he's asking you to do today and take the step. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com. Or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.